Right, this is episode 142 in 5, 4, 3... Hello and welcome to episode 143 of... No, it's not. I just said what bloody number it was. <laughs> you have you've got to put that out as, a, as, an, as an out clip. That's brilliant. Funk. Uh, well, we're off to a fascinating start. Hello and welcome to episode 142 of the NFL Scotland podcast. Free agency is in the past. It's all about the draft. My name is Cameron Hobbs. And my name is Paul Mitchell. We've not traded Cameron to the Jets for a second round pick or a sixth or anything like that. But the Jets have been active. We'll talk about that a little bit later on in the programme. I'm Paul Mitchell. I'm worth a second round pick. Just let's get that in there right now. Um, oh, well, I, 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 I would have held out for a first and a second. How about right, that? Quite right, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'll stay. Fine, fine, fine. Okay, uh, lots to talk about. Uh, I missed, first of all, I missed the last episode where you had you and Distaqua and you had Callum Buckin and you talked about the Houston Texans. Really disappointed to miss that one. Listen back to it. Fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. I thought there were some really good points in there. Uh, the, the, some of the stories even since then, haven't really progressed any. I don't think we're any further forward on some of it, but I thought it was a really good episode, so very much enjoyed it. And, Paul, I think we might try and do a couple more of those over the off-season, and, and I think to, to do that right, we want to hear what people want us to talk about. Who are the franchises that need a bit of a deep dive more than others? You know, do we go look at the Patriots or something like that and the changes that they've made? I think it was fascinating looking at the Texans because I think we can all accept that the Texans is self-inflicted. You know, they have gone backwards in a hurry. Uh, you know, some franchises get a little bit unlucky, Cameron, with, you know, draft picks not working out or a coach that comes in that's supposed to be all bells and whistles and is, is clearly out of tune. But the Texans appear to have done this to themselves. And I think, you know, speaking of Callum and to you, and you could see that, you know, the, the passion and almost the despair that they have, they know that next season is not going to be pretty. And, you know, we always talk about, you know, teams can turn it around. It's one of the things you can go from fourth to first in your division. But the Texans, Texans don't look capable of going from fourth to third in their division at the moment. So you can really feel the despair and the problems. There's a little bit of optimism of how you get out of it, but they're looking at a sort of three, four year project to turn themselves around in that division. Uh, and and I think that must be so frustrating because it felt like they were already on that journey with picking up Deshaun Watson. That that was part of a rebuild, uh, and there's only so much rebuilding you can do. You look at the Cleveland Browns and all the rebuilding time. Now eventually that looks as though it started to pay off, uh, and and actually the Cleveland Browns are going to be in conversations about how well they're going to do this season. I think the question mark for the Cleveland Browns coming into the season is going to be how far can they make it in the postseason? Not. Do they even have a winning season? And that shows how good a rebuild Cleveland have done. And that's great to see. But yeah, Houston Texans fans must just be... And listening back to the pod, if you haven't listened to it, go back and listen now. Because we get a couple of guys in who know what they're talking about. Uh, and I thought it was just really interesting. Great to get Gordon's input. Obviously, you throwing some bombs in there quite right. Um, I was channeling my thoughts to you as you were doing it. <laughs> um, I thought it was a really good podcast. So, yeah, we definitely want to do more of them. So, you know, if you're listening to this and there's a particular team you think needs a bit of a deep dive, let us know. We'll try and get a couple of people in who know what they're talking about and, and do a deep dive. 
Yeah, it sounds great. Now, one of the big topics that, of course, broke round about the time we were recording that was the NFL game number 17. Money talks. We were expecting this. Money talks in any level of sports. So they're getting a shed load of money from the TV companies. Ironically, you might have thought camera would lead to more games in London, but that might not be the case. No, and it's interesting. We've seen obviously an update to the plans going forward. So not from this year, but from next year, 2022, the the plan is that Germany is very much in the mix. There is commitment that there will be at least two teams or two games played at Spurs. Beyond that, what we've heard is that there could be more in London, but that will depend on teams giving up a home game and choosing to do so as the Jacksonville Jaguars have done over the last couple of years. What will not be happening is a guaranteed four games in London over the next four years. Uh, And that's something that we have had recently. We've been, uh, let's be honest, we have been spoiled somewhat with the, the number of games that we've had. But I, for one kind of got used to that <laughs> and, and I'll be disappointed to see if it's if it's the case that we're not going to have that going forward I think what we'll see is I think the the Jags will continue to come to Wembley once a year because I think that this is now part of their international fan base I think they see the UK market not quite as theirs Cameron but you know significant place for them I think people in Jacksonville certainly in the years where you're going to get eight home games, you know, which is what you normally had. If you get that extra ninth one, you know, so they'll, they'll come to London. So I think I think the Jags will come. So I think we're looking at three games uh, in London. I love the idea of going to Germany. I've never understood why the NFL haven't gone to Germany up till now. Now, we've had people say, why don't they go to Wales? Why don't they come to Murrayfield? Simply not going to happen. They have the infrastructure down in London, Everything's there for them. They have ticked a big box and now they will move on. The the Jags have a private arrangement with Wembley. They show it can work. They know it can dressing rooms can work, etc. Spurs, I did the tour last year. It is built for NFL teams. It's as simple as that. One side of the stadium, it's the NFL dressing rooms. On the other side of the stadium, it's the soccer dressing rooms. They are ready to go. We're going to dive into what people think about that in a moment, but let's just stay with that international theme. I mean, if if you are like us, we're based in Edinburgh, I'll tell you what, I'll hop a wee flight to Munich or Berlin and go and see an NFL game over there. Wouldn't that just be absolutely something? Yeah, and all for it. And I I tweeted this out myself from uh, my own account, and there was a lot of people liked it, and a, a number of people replied saying, wouldn't it be great? And for us in Scotland... Germany's as easy to get to as London is. And actually, fine, it's slightly longer on a plane. And maybe now in a Brexit world, it might be a bit more red tape to get there. But, and again, I'm not, this is no guarantee, but the, the general feel is that going to Germany is cheaper than it is going to London. So, and the beer's a damn sight, good bit better as well. So, actually, so's the food. Uh, there's a lot to like about that. And it's an opportunity to go travelling and have that 
away day experience and have somewhere exciting to go. Now, maybe this is, Paul, a symptom of us being cooped up in the house for the last year. But the, the, right now, the idea of going to Germany to see a, a proper NFL game had me back because, I, honestly, I cannot wait. I, I, I just hope we get the opportunity to get tickets. And that might be the stumbling block here is because what are they going to do with all the season ticket holders that have got season tickets at Tottenham and season tickets at Wembley if there's games going to be in Germany? Do they give those season ticket holders the opportunity to buy tickets first? I can't imagine that would be the case, especially when the game's in a different country. So there's going to be some working through that. But if I can get tickets to a game in Germany, damn straight I'll be there. Absolutely. Well, I, I think obviously we should be looking at accredited media, but that's another story for another day. Because <laughs> that, that would be lovely. No, I, I think that, that is exciting. As I say, I think there is going to be a game at Wembley. I think Jacksonville will keep up that relationship and then we'll take the two games to Spurs. Cameron, we ran a poll. What do you think is the better venue for NFL games in London? Leave us a comment, tell us why, and let us know if you think playing the games at just one location going forward is good or bad. Now, we got nearly 600 replies to this. It's by far the biggest poll response we've ever had. And I, I was slightly surprised at it, how tight it was. Now, Wembley took 52.6% of the vote. Spurs took 47.4%. So pretty much a tie. I mean, you know, Wembley gets the edge. But let me give you some of the comments, Cameron, and let, you know, let's get your thoughts on these. Uh, Barry got in touch. Both great, but no space around Spurs for tailgating, which makes Wembley brilliant. Uh, Olivia Ramage got in touch. When Wembley back in 2015, Spurs 2019, the view and atmosphere at Spurs much better, but harder to get to. We'd prefer Spurs. Uh, David Mackay, been to both. Spurs had the best game day atmosphere with activity in bars outside on the street. Wembley felt a bit more forced and artificial, which I thought was interesting. He did, however, Cameron, have a caveat. Spurs was a nightmare to get back into the city from, even after spending more than an hour celebrating a Raiders win. Uh, friend of the podcast, John Collins, Spurs, no competition. I've been to Wembley with John. He obviously loves Spurs there. Um, Got to be Spurs for the game. Tailgate for is better at Wembley. So basically what is splitting out, Cameron, I don't know if this has been your experience, is people love the Spurs stadium, they don't like the location, and they don't like the fact you can't tailgate. Yeah. Which I is interesting. So first of all, the result. Wembley winning the result, I think is fascinating. I wonder how much of that is down to that's the only stadium that some people have been to uh, compared to the two. We've not had as many games at Spurs and what have you. So possibly edged it on that. I, I actually thought Spurs was going to win that. But the points that have been raised are the same points for me that, that come up in the cons column when you're talking about games at the Spurs stadium. And for me, it's access. Access is a pain in the ass. Um, it's not easy to get to, and it isn't easy to get back into town. Now, what you've got, and this is something that's talked about, Wembley is set up and designed to receive uh, crowds from across the country. It's well-connected in every direction. It's well-connected back to the centre of town. It's very much designed to host events and to have things going on around it for a, a, a crowd that is travelling and needs to be entertained locally in the area. 
Spurs is a stadium designed for a football team based locally in the north of London that will predominantly cater to people that live in the north of London or are at least from that area in the first place. Not always the case because we know that football is an international sport and it's followed by fans worldwide. There's a big tourist attraction to it. But let's be honest, day to day, there's a lot of that Spurs crowd will live locally and they will live further north in London, it will not have the same percentage of people traveling for it. And therefore, that whole area hasn't been designed for that. Uh, and that's what's showing up in the results here. And I think that what you've got is you've got logistical issues getting out of the stadium after the game. Getting to it, fine. Do you know what? You jump a train, it's a bit different, but whatever. It trains a train. It was the issues afterwards. Um, Wembley has got pubs in every direction. It's got trains in every direction. And don't get me wrong, if you leave Wembley at the end of the game, and you leave with a mass crowd, then you're going to wait a while till you get on a tube and back into town. But the thing is that the tubes are frequent, and it's a constantly moving queue of people. Whereas my experience of the Spurs stadium was that it was kind of get onto a platform and hope for the best. That it wasn't as organized, and the trains were every kind of 10 minutes. And you're like, why are we waiting so long on a train? This is ridiculous. There just isn't the connection. The walk into town is substantial, and there's not necessarily the nice areas around there to go and just hang out for a couple of hours. You know, people, NFL fans, especially the NFL fans that go to these games, tend to be fans of the game, and therefore are likely to go and watch Red Zone and want to watch Red Zone or the footage afterwards. And I found that getting into a pub after the games at Spurs was a nightmare. It really, really was. So... What can NFL and the NFL UK do about it? Well, there's lots that they can do. They, fine, they don't have the space to tailgate, but they just need to find a way to keep people in the area and have a reason to stay around in the area and spend their money in the area rather than have to travel anywhere at all. And those that do need to travel into town or move on somewhere else could do so, but people have the option to stay where they are and continue to watch the game. So I think that we've had a couple of games. We saw what happened at Wembley, and it's grown over time. Uh, and I think that that's something that they need to get to. The only thing I would add to that, from my point of view, is about the tailgating. And have you have you ever gone to the tailgate at Wembley? You don't need I, to. I have. I, I don't need to. So so if we set the context that I go to Wembley and I, I, I do the, one of the... Prawn, prawn yeah, sandwich well, brigade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. One of the hospitality packages, <laughs> which lets us in three hours before the game, gives us food, gives us drink. I mean... I'll f forgive me because fans, some fans have heard this before, but basically you go in three hours before, you eat, you drink, you make merry, you go to your seat, you come back at half time, you get fed and watered, you come back afterwards for an hour and you do exactly the same. Now, I can tell you the similar package at Spurs was at least 100 quid more expensive and the feedback that I've had because I didn't go with that package was it wasn't very good. We went for a sort of mixed economy package which got us into a bar area uh, you had to pay for the food, but you did get seating. You were allowed in early. Our seats were fantastic, you know, close to bathrooms, you name it, all of that. Afterwards, you were allowed to stay for an hour as well. But the difference, Cameron, coming out of Wembley after an hour, and, you know, Darren, James, Phil, uh, John, when he was there, we had a thing that we were last out. You know, we were last to leave. Uh, so you come out and you basically walk up Wembley Way and you're virtually straight onto the tube. Now, we came out after an hour and 10 minutes after kickoff at Spurs to walk into a queue of people trying to get on to the, the railway. Can you solve things? Yes, you can. Why they do not have trains lined up up the yin-yang <laughs> to get people back into town 
is is unbelievable. I've I you know I've been to the Yankees Stadium. I've been to the Mets Stadium for baseball. Basically, people pour out up the stairs and they are banging people into trains exactly as they have at Wembley. So there's certain things certainly can be fixed. I think you're right. The stadium in Spurs is designed for a North London crowd. Simple as that. Not for you could argue 50, 60,000 away fans, because that's essentially w- what it is. So I think if they could improve the travel, if they could improve the little infrastructure, because it's, it's a horrible little sort of road up to the, the, the train station as well, which, is, you know, it's not particularly great. I didn't think it was very well stewarded or anything like that. So they can work on these things. But a couple of another, uh, other ones. Nathan Taylor got in touch. Wembley. The whole point before the game is to talk to other fans I was staged to see the legends, the stories, the cheerleaders. Spurs is beautiful, but it's just another football game. It's not an experience. And I think I have been to the tailgating experience at Wembley, which seems a little bit artificial. But on the other hand, you met people, you talked to people, you could go to the shop there, which was excellent. You know, you know, people were throwing footballs around. You just chatted to people. Uh, the social side certainly isn't as good for me at Spurs the stadium itself is, is amazing. And I, you know me, I love the new Wembley. I think the new Wembley is amazing. Uh, but, I mean, Spurs does does blow it away in terms of, of atmosphere. And Ali Nevin was, was saying that, you know, Wembley is better from the point of view of how they could, you know, get a bit more space. He talks about Twickenham or London Stadium. I heard negative things about Twickenham. The London Stadium's got the space, but I don't really think it's set up for the NFL. Um you know, and just some great Stuart Finney, Polly, Duncan Terry. It's easier to get to Wembley. Um, Dale Jones sums it up purely as a stadium. Spurs, Wembley is a better venue, better transport, bigger capacity, pubs and restaurants, the greater space. I mean, I love walking up Wembley Way and you chat to so many people and see people. I really miss that at Spurs. Inside Spurs is great. Outside Wembley wins. Yeah, I, I, I think that is the perfect summary. Um, I think that, yeah, of course, Inside Spurs is great because it's brand spanking new. He, a couple of other things to go into that, though, as well, is the beer options. And I know you're you're not a massive beer drinker, uh, but the beer options are a substantial upgrade at the Spurs. Like, the beer at mm. Wembley is terrible. Uh, I'm pretty certain from memory it's more expensive. So the stuff in Spurs is better and slightly cheaper, which is great. Uh, now, I could have it wrong, and I expect the abuse on Twitter if that's the case. But memory serves me that that is the case. The food options were much better at Spurs as well. So that's good. The one thing I liked about Spurs is I, when I go to Wembley, I'm at Club Wembley. If you're on that level, you cannot meet up with other people from other areas. Spurs is set up in such a way that no matter where your mates are sitting, you can catch up in the gantries and the atriums beforehand after halftime, what have you. So, you know, my seats uh, Spurs um, are on the sideline quite near the front. Whereas uh, when I went down to the first game, I had a friend who was right up the very back on the opposite side of the stadium, and it was really easy for us to meet up and have a blether. Uh, and, and actually, that meant at halftime we could go and get a beer together. It meant before the game we could catch up inside the stadium, where the money's then being spent in that location, which is money back to Spurs and the NFL. Well, of course it is. So, of course, they want you to do that. Um, the tailgating thing's an interesting one for me. It's, first of all, it's not a tailgate. And I... I Perhaps I'm unique and perhaps I need to just get over myself. But 
I don't like the fact it's even referred to as a tailgate because it's not a tailgate. There's no tailgates. Like the whole thing about tailgating is a bunch of people in the car park open up their boot, they get their beers open, they sit down, they serve food, and they get together and they 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 meet up with people and they mix. So it's a fan mix, which is the same outcome. But calling it a tailgate just feels false, first of all. Um, I have in more recent times not attended it at Wembley because it felt samey. And it felt like it was a unique thing when you went down for your first couple of games, great. Or if you wanted to bump into people and have a blether, then great. But to be perfectly honest, I ended up meeting people in town and then travelling to the game with them later on. Get into the game later, do a little bit of a look around, see what's going on. But it was kind of the same old overpriced stuff. Uh, some of the food pricing was ridiculous. You're talking £10 for a burger. I'm just like, what? Like That's gourmet stuff. And it wasn't a gourmet burger, put it that way. So... Um, I, for me, the, the the meeting up thing is great. I tend to meet up more with the people that I know. It's always nice to bump into people, you know, from the point of view of the podcast. I'm always looking for Scottish, Scottish flags and I'll go and chat to people and things like that. But, um, yeah, I'm, I mean, it, Wembley's definitely better suited for it, but I feel like it's not really been a great experience that I, I'm overly sad to see that bit go. Um but that's very personal to me. It's For me, it's the connections more than anything else. If they could sort that, if they could make it easy to get away from the stadium afterwards and into town so you can enjoy that experience and meet up with other fans in town quickly, I'd be all for it. I'd be all for it then. Um, else there needs to be a way that the 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 red zone is still shown in the, in the stadium. Do you keep the stadium open? Allow people to sit in their seats and put... Red Zone up on the big screens and let people sit and continue to go and get a beer and sit in their seats and watch Red Zone together. That might be a great way to just disperse the crowd a little bit differently and allow people to go home when it suits them. Maybe even for an hour and a half or, or something, a set period of time so you know you've got to find your opportunity to move on. But the, uh, there's things that can be done. A bit of pragmatism is always that required to make Spurs brilliant. Um, and if there's challenges around travel that cannot be tackled initially, tackle it in another way. So that's what I would like to see the NFL do there, uh, focus in on some of that stuff. Yeah, I think that that's great. I hadn't considered, you know, that staggered way, you know, stay in your seat, sell more beer. I mean, I'm sure if you were to get it organised in time and said to, to Spurs, you know, you've got the chance of selling another... 20, 30, 40,000 pints and, and a few more burgers while people sit and watch and you get that stagger out, then I think that would be perfect. But I think they've, they've got to get in touch with Transport for London and sort out the connections back down into town because that's what puts people off. It's going to be interesting. People are also talking about tickets, but if all the games come up in 2022 and you've got a chance to go down to London or go over to Munich, you're going to give Munich a little bash just naturally, you know, because it is that something different to, to try. If Wembley and Spurs were both available and with everybody else, I think the, the atmosphere inside that Spurs stadium is unbelievable. I don't think there's a bad seat in the place. Wembley, which blew me away, is only about, what, 10, 12 years older. But it look, everything changes in such a period, especially now. I mean, I'm talking to you on, you know, my new Samsung A7 tablet. My other Again, one was posh, only three. Twat. <laughs> exactly. Uh, my other one was only three years old, and it was brilliant. You know, just a tremendous piece of kit. And then I get this one. It's like, wow! It just blows you away. It's newer. It's better. It's bigger. Uh, I, I for that experience of going to Club Wembley and having the meal and the drinks and you know the three hours with with friends chatting. Uh, that to me makes the day. You know that that's the day for me. And you know we we've had some tremendous times meeting other American people who've come over 
to do it that way. Uh, you know, I, I, I sat next to Mick Luckhurst's accountant. Uh, I sat next to somebody who's very good friends with Mr. Can, who owns the Jacksonville Jaguars. I still regret I never got his business card. It's the most stupid thing I've ever done because he was absolutely loaded. He'd been out on the boat the day before. He'd been to Fulham. Absolute moron. He couldn't understand the best part. I don't know if I've ever told you this. He did ask why we can't pronounce the word Jaguars properly. <laughs> and honestly, <laughs> honestly, my, my, my friend Darren, who was across to my right, couldn't slash across me quick enough <laughs> to meet this perceived slur, um, which, which was utterly brilliant. I should have got the guy's business card. Hey, a life of regret. But let's just be thankful we're still getting games over here. Let's hope that the Jags will come over for at least one. And I think what will determine the success of the Jaguars game at Wembley, I suspect, will be the quality of the opposition. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. And speaking of that, we know, and this is another interesting point, we know that the Atlanta Falcons are going to be one of the teams coming over in 2021. They have confirmed so themselves. We know it's not going to be a divisional game that's coming over, so we know it's one-off. The Patriots, the Jets, uh, the Lions, Washington, or the Eagles. Um, so for, I'll come back to you and ask you which of those combinations is the most interesting, but... From 2022, we know that it will be a team that has a ninth home game that will come over. I And I get that the Falcons were one of the 2020 teams, so they've just bumped them a year. I don't understand why they didn't just bump them another year and let them come over next year when they've got that extra home game, rather than make them come this year. So they've now got the situation where they've got seven home games, and then there's other teams in the AFC have got nine. To me, I just, again, I'm, I'm a person of pragmatism. I think pragmatic approaches to things is absolutely the way forward. And I feel like this just feels like, if I'm a Falcons fan, I'm a bit peeved. Well, I'm a bit I'm pissed off because I'm going to be getting extra home games next year, but you're taking one away from me this year. Why are you doing that? Um, it just feels like a weird choice. Yeah, it does. But, I mean, Atlanta, you know, whatever you do, don't go in for a touchdown. Um, you know they, they do strange things in Atlanta. It won't be a divisional game, unfortunately, as you mentioned. Out of those, I don't think there's a natural excitement of of any of the teams that are the you know Jared Goff led Lions, the Cam Newton led Patriots, Washington perhaps because I think they've got a good chance of winning their division if their progression continues. So I think they'd be pretty interesting to see. So. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, the game, I think we're getting more and more fussy about the games. You know, we would have watched anybody, yeah. you know, five years ago, 10 years ago. Now we want matchups. We want teams that are going to do something in games that are not going to be horribly lopsided. Well, of course, I mean, the last time the Falcons came over, they faced the, the Lions. Uh, and what was a thrilling game, 22-21, uh, a really good game. But... <clears throat> if you look at the list, you look at the list, right? So yeah, Jared Goff at the Lions. That are the rebuild time. I've not got high expectations for the Lions this year at all. So, and I've not got particularly high expectations for the Falcons either, based on what we've seen. So it feels a bit like uh, okay. The Patriots have got a lot of people back, unless they're going to go and get someone, uh, uh, unless they're going to go and get a quarterback. 
I don't see them being a contender, and therefore that one immediately becomes a little bit like eh. the Jets. The Jets become interesting because of Robert Sala. Uh, there's a big rebuild there, and if they're going to get Zach Wilson at number two, then obviously there's going to be an exciting young rookie quarterback, and we'll come on to the Darnold trade, but whoever comes in to the Jets is going to play. So therefore, you're going to see one of the top young quarterbacks. That becomes interesting because of that, but still, mm, the Jets. Um, the Eagles... Fine, you've got Hurts in there, uh, and that's going to be an interesting transition that they're going through as well, but I don't feel that the Eagles are particularly exciting. Washington, I think, is the best of the lot. I think Washington Falcons is the game I'd like to see because of that defense, because it's Fitzmagic, uh, and I think that suddenly there's a, a little bit of zip and pizzazz about him that makes people go, oh, wouldn't it be great to see him, him come back to the UK? So for me, I'm coming down on Washington uh, versus Atlanta as the game I'd like to see. I'd like to see Chase Young up against that uh, Atlanta offense. You know, Matt Ryan's going to have a hard old day that day. And then also interesting to see how Washington continue to progress with some of those players. Terry McLaurin's a great player. Antonio Gibson, great second season hopefully coming from him. And there's other things to like in that team as well. So that's the one I'd like. And in terms of who who you think might give up a home game. We usually look at teams who are trying to curry favour with the NFL, you know, have something, you know, coming up that they're looking to get. Um, could you see a Miami Dolphins, for example, coming over? Possibly. Um, I think that, you know, given that the AFC are going to have nine home games this year, I think it has to be an AFC team, unless they're going to just rip off the, the two teams that they were going to send last year. And I don't know that we ever got full and final confirmation as to who that was going to be. But, um, you know, it's certainly nothing official. I think that it would be good to see an AFC team. I think the Dolphins would be brilliant to see them come over with all their new pieces as well. That would be a very dynamic one. I wonder whether we'll see someone different as well, someone that we've not seen in a while. Are the Broncos due to come over? Um, mm. That that's a team. Do the do the Chargers come back with Justin Herbert? I don't know. Maybe you know with the whole LA move, there's a an opportunity for them to come over. But um, do the Houston Texans decide that life's going to be rough and therefore they might as well play as one less game at home? <laughs> <laughs> that's one way to get away from the fans. So maybe the Houston Texans are like, please let it be us, please. <laughs> Yeah, they, they they just get hammered by their fans over here, though. I mean, <laughs> yeah, they're true. a passionate bunch, our, our Texans fans over here. So I think it, it, it does open things up. And, you know, nothing stays the same. I mean, we, we know this. So there are good, you know, there's going to be a game in Munich. There'll be two at Spurs. I still think there will be one at Wembley as well. And interesting, there was only one person that, that mentioned, and it was uh, PB Paul, talked about, you know, Spurs will be a great home for a UK franchise. Uh, that's an automatic yellow card on the <laughs> NFL Scotland podcast for anybody that dare mentions that. Uh, we will not be having a podcast in the middle of the summer going, and what do you think a UK team could be called? You know, we're, we're not going for the London Beef Eaters or anything like that. Thank you very much. It's worth adding that yellow card will not be signed by anybody either. Not Harland, not anybody. So, uh... <laughs> Not, nor given by the Man City referee last night. <laughs> Jeez. I mean, officiating in the world. I mean, NFL, you know, the, the Champions League, officiating is, is, is the same wherever you go. It's 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 subject to debate, I think, would be would be fair. So let, let's talk about a couple of couple of teams that have been doing things. One one is your team. We'll come to them in a second. 
I'm not surprised that Sam Darnold is no longer a Jet. I'm, I'm surprised that he's a Panther, given the fact that he had Teddy Bridgewater there. So, it, it's a really interesting one, this one. I, I, I've sat and looked at this over time, and I, I think that Sam Darnold deserves another opportunity. I think he more than deserves another opportunity. I think there was enough there that I saw that he was capable. That team was so bad, that Jets team. There was so much to hate and so much going on and so much tanking and just absolute awfulness. And I feel like Sam Darnold has absolutely suffered because of where he ended up. The Jets have been perpetually pap. uh, And that's just, it's a career-ruining location for for quarterbacks and for other players. Uh, And at Carolina... He has got an opportunity to go and work in an offense that's got a better setup, and he's going to work alongside someone like Christian McCaffrey, who gives him a great output at running back, uh, uh, one of the best weapons in the game if he can be if he can come back and be fit. And I think that that's uh, an opportunity for him to now dust off the cobwebs of his time in New Jersey and go and start afresh somewhere uh, and learn something new and go and see what he can do. Now, obviously, Matt Rule obviously really rates him. So that's a, a good start. And there's been conversations about apparently when Matt Rule was can, being considered for the Jets job, he spoke to Darnold and what have you. I think, though, that this is a plan B for the Panthers. Because I think plan A was to make a major play for Deshaun Watson. And I think that Deshaun Watson's situation at the moment has made them go, hmm, right, not the time to be doing this. Um, the, it's whatever has happened there, and I, I don't want to touch it because there's so much is still being talked about. Um, the, I think that Carolina have gone, okay, the, what's plan B? Is, is Teddy going to take us forward here? Is Teddy good enough to take us and win this division? You know, you can argue, and we'll talk about this in more detail, that the Saints will take a step back because Breeze isn't going to be there. Um, now, whether it be Winston or Hill, it depends on who, and it depends on which version of Jameis Winston you get. Uh, and therefore, you got to imagine that they take a slight step back. We've already talked about the Falcons. The Falcons have got problems. They've addressed some of those things, but they've still got issues on the defense. And I think that there's an upgrade there that needs to happen before Atlanta becomes a team that we're going to consider. So actually, Carolina kind of go into this as a potential number two team in the division, potentially, um, depending on how big that fall for the Saints is. If you're going to stay with Teddy Bridgewater, is he going to get you far enough up that you can actually be a number two team? I don't know that you can. I think that Teddy is, our, is probably one of the best number twos in the, in the NFL. If you can persuade Teddy to be a backup, you're you're safe in that position. And Teddy could come in and add something different, even in a wild card wildcat wildcat formation or doing something a little bit funky darnold is he the answer i don't know i think it's a roll of the dice and i think it's one worth taking but for me i think the thing that's most interesting out of all of this is who wins the trade and my answer is i think both teams win this i think the jets got decent return for a quarterback that they're clearly moving on from when they've got the number two pick and I think that the Panthers, for not a massive price, really, have got an opportunity to take a guy that was once considered one of the, the best overall picks. We thought he was potentially going to go number one, and we chatted about it at the time. And it's just not worked out for him. So, fine. If it doesn't work out, they've given up a lot. Fine. But if he does work out, and he's the player that they think he is, and the player that we all thought he was when he was being drafted, then this could be an absolute steal. They've looked at... Teddy Bridgewater they've seen him for a season and it's their decision rightly or wrongly they don't think he's the future to go and get Darnold for basically a cut price I mean a six this year that's nothing 
I mean, that's that's absolutely nothing. You know, I mean, that that's throwing throwing a draft pick away. A second year, a second round pick next year, twenty twenty two. Is it really that expensive, Cameron? You know, I mean, a fourth. I I always go with the view that you, your first, second, and third round picks have to work, and they have to play in the first season. Four and below, you're taking a punt on people. Um, so basically, to give up effectively a two next year to test drive somebody this year, I think I think works perfectly. I think Matthew Engster, in his piece on the NFL Scotland website, if people haven't read it, highly recommend it. The Jets now have 21 picks over the next two years. They've got seven in the top two rounds. You know, so they've gone from six to seven. They've added, they didn't need a fortune to come in. They actually solve a problem by taking Darnold out because they clearly had made the decision to go somewhere else. They've got a wee return. I'm with you. I think both teams win. You know, both can move on. I've told you before on the pod and in person, I would have taken Darnold at the Saints. I would have quite happily gambled. Yes, he is a bit of an interception machine, as is Winston, but I think there's a higher upside on him. So I I think it's a fascinating trade. Will it work? Well, sometimes it can come down to one or two games. You know, you either win or lose by, you know, a point here or there. A nine and seven season become a seven and nine season. You're on the turn of a couple of wee games. So the, the margins are fine, but I would certainly gamble on Darnold, no doubt. Yep, uh, I I agree. I think you summed up there. It's a fascinating trade. It'll be interesting to see how this pans out. I think it's a really good story coming into the NFL season, and I look forward to seeing if Sam Darnold can go and prove what he's all about at Carolina next season. So what about your 49ers then, just before we wrap up this this episode? What about them? So this is fascinating. I don't know how to feel about this one. Um, This is where draft time is wonderful for so many reasons. There's so much to talk about. There's so many mock drafts. There's so much hypothetical. There's so much hyperbole. There's so much bullshit. There's so much cloak and dagger. There's so much skullduggery and nonsense. There's so much made-up crap. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> There's so much wishful thinking. Folk going, ah, Trevor Lawrence, and they go to the Jags. He's dropping to five in the Falcon. Or four. Falcons are going to get a man because the Jags are stupid. Don't be stupid. The Jags are taking Lawrence. We know it. Anyone that thinks anything other than that is a fool. Um, but yes, um, it's there's a lot going on, and for me, we've paid a price, right? We've paid a price to move up. We want a quarterback. There's there is no two ways about it. Which quarterbacks are going to be? A um, couple of things in this that make me go. Uh-huh. Uh, one is the Jimmy G situation, which is obviously yep. we're being told that he's still the man. Fine, I think that's fine, but you don't necessarily jump up to number three then to park someone like the Chiefs did with Mahomes. You go for someone who you think can benefit from being benched and learn the different bits and pieces. You don't need to go and get someone that's ready to rock now, unless there's a player in the mix that you think is so good and you think someone is going to go and get him. Now, Mac Jones seems to be the name that's chucked about. But now what we're getting is a load of stories from uh, people saying, well, this is a this is a quarterback that's probably going to be there at 12. Why are you moving up to three to get him? And if you really want him... Fine, but then still, that's a hefty price to pay for someone that you really want that's not played an awful lot of college time. 
So this is where you start get to get into all the different theories and stuff like that. Now, had Darnold stayed, then you might have thought, oh, maybe the Jets aren't going to go quarterback and they're going to add pieces and they'll worry about a quarterback the year after. No, they're definitely going quarterback now. So there you go. Like, it feels like Wilson's going to go there. So then you're left with uh, Lance, um, Fields, or Jones are the likely three. And, yeah, I don't know that any of them are necessarily worth trading up for. So I don't think I'm... I think I'm coming down. It adds intrigue to the draft, right? It makes me immediately go like, oh, oh we've got a, our choice of pick at number three. But at what cost? And is it really worth it? And I think that that's something I can't answer because I don't know who we're going to take and I don't know what that player is going to be able to do. Um, the interesting thing is if we can get someone to take Jimmy off us for a first round pick next year, uh, I think that's ridiculous and it won't happen. But if that could happen in some shape or form, then fine, at least you offset the cost of it a little bit. And and my only hope is that, fine, we've given up a couple of first-rounders in future years, but if we are good and we've got a roster to be good for the next couple of years, then there may be low ends, like if, even if it's like 28, 29. Uh, fine, do you know what? You've got a second-round pick in there somewhere, whatever. Um, the roster's not horrific. There's not a huge amount of gaps. Secondary on the defense is appalling, and we need to sort that. But, hmm. you know... The front seven and defense is good. There's a lot of weapons. Running back seems to be solid. Tight end, brilliant. Kettle's there. Wide receivers, I think we've got a good bunch in there. We need to keep people fit. Uh, offensive line, we've sorted out that. I think that that's a good place. So really, the the core bits that are missing are the quarterback and some cornerbacks in the safety, probably. So, fine. Mm, yeah, I'm just worried about the price that we've paid. I'm just worried about the price that we've paid. Um, if it doesn't work out and we end up slipping down a little bit and we're giving away high-end first-round picks because we pick someone that's not good enough to lead us forward, that's a worry for me. Yeah, I think you've gone up too high. I think that tells me that they know their guy. They've obviously worked out on the draft board that there's a danger they wouldn't get them slightly further down. And whatever they're planning, they think it's worth the risk to go up. Now, looking at what they've done already in the last couple of years, you know, John Lynch, I think, has earned the fans' trust. And I think, you know, I think he's earned the benefit of the doubt on this one. But offhand, I think it looks a little bit high. Could you have gone in, could you have got that, you know, with Cincinnati at five, for example? You know, they're not going quarterback. Uh, Atlanta, I still don't buy the fact that Atlanta are going to go quarterback either. Philadelphia at six were a danger. Detroit have just got golf. Carolina, well, they've now got Darnold, but they had Bridgewater. Denver, you're never sure with Denver. Dallas certainly aren't going quarterback, neither are the Giants. So uh, I just think you've gone in a little bit over the top, a little bit heavy, and these things will either make or break you. And if it, if it works and you get your guy and he's brilliant, fine. If not, you know, Lynch is out of job two or three years down the line. Yep. No, Absolutely. Um, it's uh, they're they're putting it all on there, and I get it because I think that this team is set up to be successful in the next couple of years, um, and I so fine roll the dice. I, I I have faith in them. I have faith in them. I feel uneasy with it, but I feel like they have made good choices so far. I think even like the likes of the Brandon Ayuk pickup last year, they went and got the man, and he's clearly a talented player that showed what he's capable of. There's a lot to like. There's definitely a lot to like. So I, I got I to gotta give them um, 
my trust. And what I'm going to do, Paul, is I'm going to go away and do some research myself. And I'm going to come back <laughs> to you. And before the, the draft, I'm going to commit to who I want us to go and get. Uh, and then when I don't get what I want, my toys will come out the pram. Uh, I'll swear a lot. And then I'll be able to say, I told you so, when it all goes wrong. That's my yeah, approach but to this. <laughs> But but look on the bright side, you're not a Jacksonville Jags fan, a New York Jets fan, or a Houston Texans <laughs> fan. I, I think I think there's been no toys in any prams in those particular areas for several years now, um, thanks to the, the front office staff that they employ. The one story that's actually breaking at the moment uh, via Ian Rappaport is that um, according to Carlos Dunlap, um, Russell Wilson has indicated to his teammates that he fully anticipates that he will be back in Seattle this season. Uh, he's, he's basically Carlos Dunlap on Russell Wilson. He said he's with us and he's here to stay. Um, it's been phrased as from Ian Rappaport that it appears Russell Wilson has accepted that he'll be back in Seattle this season doesn't necessarily sound like he wants to be in Seattle this season uh, and I guess this is going to be interesting because will Seattle listen to his concerns will they do anything about it uh, it takes another option off the board or is that a play by the Seahawks to try and get someone to come in and offer something good for him well I'm going to leave you with the worst take ever so the Jets are going to take two of their top well they've got seven uh, top two picks in the next, what, oh, two years. They're going to take five of them. They're going to give them to the Packers. Aaron Rodgers is going to the Jets so he can host his TV show at the same time. How about that? that, that, that that's just for Charles at the very end. Aaron Rodgers is on Jeopardy, which I believe is filmed in New York. Um, and therefore, you know, that, that could be it. He could move to the Jets to be closer to his TV career. That's, yeah. am, that's amazing. If he signs for the Jets, then he's going from being <laughs> on Jeopardy to being in Jeopardy. There you go. That's how quickly that can happen. So. <laughs> um, okay, one last thing before we go. In fact, two last things. Two very quick things. One, NFL, you, uh, NFL Scotland shop. The NFL Scotland podcast shop has been open for a while. Um, we've got a number of items available on there. Uh, including hoodies, t-shirts, backpacks, golf umbrellas. Now, it's wet out there, and it's April. This is the time to go get a golf umbrella, a new umbrella, as we start to get back out into the world, as we're allowed to sit in gardens in the pish and rain, because it's Scotland, and snow. So go get yourself a golf umbrella. Go to the NFL Scotland website at nflscotland.com. Uh, click shop in the menu at the top and you'll see a number of items there through our good friends at Sonsi Face golf umbrellas are available on there with the NFL Scotland podcast logo on there represent we want to draft you and we how can we do that by you buying some of that great stuff on there so go have a look check it out see what you think uh, let us know and if you do buy anything make sure that you send us a photo the one other thing Paul is this came up in a bit of a conversation um, on the back of a tweet that I put out about week one, you know, I was like, do you know what? Things are going to open up. And week one, we got to get as many people together in a pub as possible in Edinburgh to watch the week one event. We've always done our week one event in Edinburgh. But it was suggested by other members of the NFL Scotland podcast that we should perhaps open that up. And maybe we should look beyond Edinburgh. There seems to be some pressure internally from some of the other members of the team that we should put this out to a vote. So 
I guess my question to you is twofold. One, should we let the people decide? And two, should where, where should the options be? Because l- let's say one thing. Our, this isn't just an open-ended question because we'll end up in God knows where. Um, we'll be trapped. We'll be sent somewhere awful, and I, I'm not having it. So... Um, I'm not going to. I thought about naming somewhere, but we might lose some followers. So I'm not going to say the, anything. Never, never go there. People are quite. It's fine. Five's yeah. not that bad. Five's not that bad, right? Um, but where do we? So, question one: Do we open it up to the people? And question two: What are the options? I don't mind where we go as long as it's Edinburgh, because I'm selfish <laughs> like that. Uh, um, I, I I think what we'll probably do is we'll play a week one in Edinburgh and we'll, we'll add a second mid-season something along the way um, you know it can be a little bit chaotic at that, that time of year for us it, it'd just be nice to, to get people back together in you know just watching Red Zone talking football um, and it looks like you know we, we are going to get there we're, we're moving in the right direction so let, let's hope that's going to be the case yeah I think I think Edinburgh for me is a tradition but do you know what Paul, let's be fair with this then. Let's we're going to do week one in Edinburgh, unless the 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 followers of Glasgow can get onto Twitter and tell us, like bombard us to the point where we can't ignore it any longer. You know, we're going to Edinburgh, so come on and tell us that you're going to come us to come to Edinburgh and join us. But you're listening to this and you're like, it has to be Glasgow. It has to be Glasgow. Week one in Glasgow. Then come tell us. Now, we, if it if it isn't week one in Glasgow, we will do something like we did a couple. Was it two seasons ago? It was week four. Yep. Um, and we came through to Glasgow. We'll absolutely do it because that was a great night out. So, um, yeah, that that'll be the plan. Week one, Edinburgh. Week three or four, Glasgow. Unless there's some momentous event happening on Twitter, and then you know, change our minds. Basically, change our minds. Challenge set. Sounds good. But that's the full-time whistle for episode 142 of the NFL Scotland podcast. Thanks for taking the time to listen. Make sure that you share your thoughts on this and every episode by messaging us on Twitter at ScotlandNFL and search for NFL Scotland on Facebook. Check out the website of NFL Scotland. From there, you can check out the shop and all the good stuff we've got there. The draft's coming up. We're going to have a couple of pods looking at that. All sorts of exciting stuff coming up. But for Cameron and myself, thanks for listening. Bye for now.